Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Our rector, our very own Jacob Smith, told me a story not too long ago, and I was reminded of it having read this passage from John. He told me that... He had a friend in seminary who was a prominent priest's son, and this son, who was very charming and whom the president and whom the faculty did not want to mess with because he was a prominent priest's son, would oftentimes come to preach at chapel unprepared. Now, at my seminary and Jake's seminary, the same seminary, we all had to preach a number of times during the year, and we were given this date in advance. We had plenty of time to study, to, to be ready for it. But this guy was never ready. But he would kind of get away with murder, in this case, because he, would, he was very charming, and he would come up and he would read the gospel, like our gospel lesson today, and he would essentially say, oh, this, this passage is just so powerful. I don't even think any words can really comment upon it. I think what we should do today is read it one more time. So he would read it one more time, he would read it with affect, and then he would say amen and go sit down. And this might have fooled people after the first time, but I was told by Jake that he did this quite a number of times. So that's him. But I was reminded of that story because this, if there's any text where you could just read it again and sit back down in awe and reverence, it would be this one. And why is that the case? That's the case because this, the prologue to the Gospel of John, is some of the most beautiful writing in all of Scripture. It's very poetic, and it's very different than what comes, at least the writing style, in the rest of John. A lot of scholars have called this passage a hymn to the Word, or a hymn to the God-man, a hymn to Christ. And in it, we, we see that it's a little bit abstract, You've heard some of these words before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So here John starts unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They start, or at least Matthew and Luke, start with the nativity story. The story that we all know. If you were at church last night, which a lot of your friends were at church last night and didn't come today, you get extra points, extra extra treasures in heaven. No, we don't really believe in that kind of thing. We're more into grace here. But in John, he starts off very differently. He doesn't start off. It's, he seems to, it's not that he isn't aware of the nativity story. He just bypasses it altogether. You notice what John does, he goes right back to the beginning of time or before time began. It's as if he doesn't even know how to talk about it. In the beginning was the word. And all things came into being through this word. So this is very high and lofty. Very unlike the the nativity story that kind of happens in out-of-the-way Bethlehem with shepherds who weren't viewed very highly in the ancient world. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But I think it might be tempting for us to, as we read this, just merely say, oh, this is one of the most beautiful parts of scripture. Amen. Let me go on the rest of my day. But actually, this, this passage is not as abstract as we think. And I think we in our age are a little bit too hard on abstractions. I think they're very useful and helpful. But this passage is not talking about the word or Christ as an idea, 
out there, far removed. In fact, the only way this passage is abstract is to then make it not that way. It makes it very concrete. That's what John does. And so we hear about the Word who is in the beginning with God and who made all things. But before we know it, we're told about how this Word and the, and the words of that famous song became one of us. What if God was one of us? Well, God became one of us. This abstraction is then not so much God as an idea, but God in his relationship to you and me. If you were here last night, or if you're familiar with those midnight mass kind of services, you see that very much so. We, we process in the child, the Christ child, who is the God-man. And I think sometimes we don't understand that. Here is God become a helpless babe. Here is God become as vulnerable as you can be. He can't even take care of himself. God becoming one of us. And God becoming one of us, not in glamour or like a lightning bolt. I think, I still oftentimes think of God's intervention with humanity being such that it will be like a lightning bolt for all to see. It'll be like a firework on the sky that will all just kind of fawn over. But here we read in the other gospel lessons, and we see a little bit here in this gospel, that God most times comes like this to Bethlehem, and out of the way, an area that doesn't really matter. This isn't Rome. Christ, the God-man, is not coming to New York City, as much as we like to think that we're the best, and obviously the God-man would come to us. No, God comes in Kansas. That's what Bethlehem's like. And God comes and reveals himself to shepherds. Now, we think of shepherds as very cute, and, and you know, you wouldn't be too upset if your child wanted to play the role of a shepherd in a, in a nativity play. But in this day and age, shepherds are, are, are kind of like maybe the way we think of truckers today. Now, no offense if you're a trucker, uh, but you think of whatever it is where you can think of, well, this person may be a little rough around the edges, maybe a little shady, maybe you wouldn't want to leave your kids alone with this type. That, that was the shepherds in the ancient world. In fact, and I'm sorry, ladies, that this is the case, but in the ancient world, Some of the peoples who were not, their voices could not be heard in court were women, sorry, but also shepherds. They were viewed as suspect. Like we, we just, we, we, we know we can't trust that outright because they're shady. So we won't even accept their testimony in a court of law. So here, Christ comes again, not to Rome, not to New York City. He comes to an out of the way place and to rather suspect characters, shady characters like shepherds. And shady characters like wise men from the Far East, like, I don't know about those guys. So interestingly enough, God reveals himself, becomes one of us to people on the margins, to people who are suspect, to people viewed as sinners. What else do we read in this text? We read things about the word being light. Again, like this is deeply poetic, metaphoric language, but He is the light who has come to us in the midst of our darkness. And I don't know about you, but for plenty of you here in this room, 2016 has been one of those years where it's been a rather dark year. For various reasons, for any one of your reasons. But here, this is what this is saying, is that God has come to us, again, not only in an out-of-the-way place to suspect characters, but in the midst of our own pain. In the midst 
of the, of the evils of this world, in the midst of what might seem as hopelessness, here the word comes and is that light. The true light that enlightens everyone. And yet, if you're paying attention, and if you've read the Gospels, you know that not only has he come to an out-of-the-way place and to suspect characters, but the world did not receive him. His own do not receive him. Poets talk about how the, there's this like blinding sun in front of all of us, but we just don't see it. Now, I don't know about you, but since moving to New York City, and I, I blame it on New York City, I love New York City, but I was probably the same way when I was out in Pittsburgh and in Jersey before this, but I am so caught up in all of my busyness, my every, the everydayness, um, that I, and I'm just kind of blind to everything around me. So I'm, I'm not that surprised when I hear that these people don't even see this great light. And before we say, oh, it's those people out there, remember that in the gospel stories, the gospel narrative, it's the disciples, the ones most proximate to him, his very own, who are oftentimes just oblivious to who he is. The blinding light is right in front of them. And they do not see it. The blinding light came to Kansas, to out of the way, to to sinners, to suspect people. And then when he comes to his own, they don't even recognize him. When he comes to you and me, we're just caught up in our busyness and we don't even see this blinding light who has come to bring us grace and truth. Now, what can we do about this? I guess we can try our hardest. We can try harder to be aware of the light, of the blinding light right in front of us, to be less obsessed with our own busyness. And, I mean, good luck. Uh, I think there are probably some disciplines out there that we could all do that might make us more aware of our surroundings, etc., and those are very good and well. But I've I've come to realize that even some of the most religious people, even the most some of the devout people, will say, and they'll say this about themselves, I'm so often just oblivious or blind to the word, to this blinding light right in front of me. So instead of giving you something here to do, another to do thing, another thing to do in your to-do list, because your if your Christmas to-do list wasn't large enough, all you need is one more thing to do. But I'm not going to give you something to do. At least I'm not going to tell you to embrace a discipline to make you more aware. I'm going to just ask you to do one simple thing. And that is to pray that we might see this light. That we might see the word and what he has for us. And to see this word, I think that oftentimes we want to see God come in a lightning bolt. We want to see God come in a firework. I mean, I as I said, I've been at this for a long time, and I still expect to see God in like the the, the, the amazing, awesome piece of nature or something like that. But that is not how God has revealed that he reveals himself to us. He most times reveals to him, us to himself. He intervenes on affairs in out-of-the-way kind of places to suspect characters. Oftentimes, the righteous types are the most oblivious to him. The people like me oftentimes look right through him. But here in our gospel lesson and in the gospels as a whole, we're told 
that more often than not, Christ does not reveal himself to us in the fireworks or in the lightning strike, but in the ordinary means, like the word of God proclaimed, like the sacraments, like bread and wine on your tongue, like water on your head, like the word of God that we can read at all times. So thanks be to God that although we're oftentimes completely oblivious to him, that he has given us ordinary means of recognizing him. But even with that said, we can't force our eyes open. We can't force our ears open. We pray that God would do this through his word, that God would do that through his sacraments, through these ordinary things. And this is why, despite the fact that we had three services yesterday and we knew it was going to be a lighter crowd today, this is why we would never cancel church on a Sunday. Because we want these ordinary means, these ordinary means that oftentimes the Holy Spirit uses to open our eyes, to open our ears. Because as Isaiah said, if you would just rend the heavens and come down, he has. But he hasn't done it in the firework. He's done it in the -the out-of-the-way place to suspect people. And if you haven't gotten the point yet, those suspect people are you and me. Maybe even especially types like me who wear these kind of things, who think we know all the answers. Well, maybe, maybe some of the answers. I don't know many answers. But Christ comes to us, and he comes to us in these ordinary means. He has rent the heavens and come down in the form of a helpless baby. And that's the same way it works for you and me today. He comes to us, oftentimes in these regular means, not the firework. And oftentimes he comes to us when we're not living our best lives now. Oftentimes he comes to us when we're in suspect places, when he breaks through, when we're at our most vulnerable and helpless states. So my prayer for you and me, me especially, here today is that God would open our eyes and our ears in these ordinary means to the word of God who has come to reconcile us to himself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.